uh, so what did you think of the new Texas Chainsaw? I think it has some okay moments in it. Yeah. But overall, it just, it's a franchise I think needs to die. It doesn't, yeah. It never needed to be a franchise. That's the thing. Um, yeah. yeah, like we the, just we just did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm going to be edit. I'm almost done editing. I'm it, so but. curious to hear that episode. Like, I I, I want to know what everyone because like just knowing everybody on the show, like yeah. I can't wait to hear what everybody's takeaways are. Because I think it's a masterpiece, but I I get when people don't like it. It really makes sense to me. Well, that's that's kind of what I put out there, closing out the episode. I was like, yeah. I absolutely love and respect this movie, yes. but I'm never excited to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. My uh, when we did it for oh, that's a scary movie. That was kind of the takeaway. Was Ashley was like, it's really upsetting. I'll never watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably worth a watch, but I didn't enjoy it. And I was like, oh no, I don't know that you're meant to enjoy this movie. Right. <laughs> Uh, which is, is why why two is my favorite because I think it's one that can be rewatched and enjoyed for being so silly and rock and roll. And I love part two, but I think part two kind of gave people the notion that they could just take this franchise and go goofy with it, kind of like they yes. did with Next Generation, and then three. Uh, I wish hadn't been like hacked up by the MPAA because I, it's funny. I remember really liking three when I saw it on like HBO back in the day. It's the one I've like seen that. the most. Yeah. And I bought the uncut Blu-ray, which barely has. Anything. That Blu-ray is like a Warner archive uh, yeah. movie. And it's like, those are like made on demand. They're not mass yes. produced. And, but I mean, yeah, I bought it too. And it's, it's got some, like you see a sledgehammer hit somebody in the head where yeah, like that's away the from one it, bit the I one. think yeah. that like I was excited the um, but like I want to get the shout blue of next generation because I've heard it it's up. I've heard it's worth it nice. <laughs> I I talked myself out of the vinegar syndrome sale this time because I was just like I still haven't watched the stuff I picked up from the last one and it the 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 deals weren't as good as they're like christmas and july sale or whatever so i'm just gonna wait a couple months i picked up the 4k of madman yeah okay and uh, i've never seen that movie at all mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm interested to watch that uh before the, the valentine's day sale they did the their their february releases mm-hmm. and when drop dead fred showed up i was like i'm on that shit oh yeah i almost <laughs> did i almost got that i'm right now i'm holding out because kino lorber is doing uh, is putting out I'm Dangerous tonight, which is a, a like, cab- made-for-cable thriller starring Machen Amick, uh and uh, from Twin Peaks, uh, mm-hmm. Shelley from Twin Peaks, and yeah. uh, Anthony Perkins from Psycho. Wow. And it's like it's like sexy, but for primetime television. So it's like she gets like this ancient cursed dress that makes her a killer or something. I've never seen it. I've heard it's like a, a old school like like late night cable classic like silk stockings kind of thing so right, I, I'm, right. I'm really looking forward to checking it out because that, that just sounds right up my alley i really like her and i've been anxious to go she's back great. and watch sleepwalkers because she's in it uh, it's <laughs> i i rewatched it last year and i couldn't do it and I, she like she's her <coughs> and audrey yeah are kind of why I continue to revisit twin peaks as much as i do sure i agree because yeah. as bad as this sounds those two girls are gorgeous. <laughs> oh, no. Have you ever seen Meridian? No. 
it's a full moon movie that's basically an erotic remake of Beauty and the Beast Ooh. starring uh, Sherilyn Finn. Nice. It's terrible. But uh, if you love Sherilyn Finn, you should watch it. I, I just picked up the blue for the Wraith uh, a couple months ago. So I was really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And then I think what's the movie what's the one she did was it two city junction or what was it called like the it was like a another one of those like romantic thriller or like like what i know her best from and what i saw the most on cable when i was younger yeah was was just one of the guys oh sure yeah 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 and i i remember when i started watching twin peaks i was like i know her from somewhere where do i know her from because i didn't i didn't watch the wraith a ton when i was younger i saw it i came to that one way later yeah Yeah. and uh, i didn't before i started watching twin peaks and found out she was in that um that's when i went back and watched the wraith and i was like oh shit yeah that's there she is uh and all her glory (laughs) yeah um but still uh, blonde yeah yeah and uh but i remember just one of the guys. And I remember she has that mole by her eye. And that always was something I remembered about her. I, but, she's uh, incredible on twin peaks and they do her yeah. so dirty in the second seat. Well, and uh, anything after the first season, I feel like, like I just, I, I her storyline with Billy Zane just never worked for me. Yeah. And I, I hate the way they did it. I, well, I, I mean, everybody hated the way the show ended originally. So, yeah, but you know, I hate that we never found out what happened to her. And then when I saw her yeah. in the, in the new one, I was like, Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm Here excited. She is. Yeah. But that went nowhere. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a real bummer. It's, it's maybe the thing about the revival that upsets me the most. Um, yeah. is I waited the whole show for her and then, yeah, it's just whatever. It, it was so weird how they started interjecting that little bit of her story into the to the new one, and then and, just kind of cuts off. And then yeah, it's like okay, so everything I've been watching in the bar the whole time is a dr- like what is like yeah that's that's the <laughs> that's the love and hate for David Lynch I have is like he captivates me with things yeah, and then he <clears throat> leaves me wanting more. That's how I feel about Mulholland Drive, where I'm just like. I don't know why I'm hypnotized by this movie, but I love it so much. And it's, you know, I remember the first time I watched Lost Highway, I did not understand what I was watching. I still don't really get Lost Highway, but I I dig it. I go into Lost Highway now thinking it's meant to be a science fiction movie. Okay, interesting. And like, I kind of have that sort of feeling about most of Lynch's work, especially like, like the Elephant Man is something all on its own. Sure. You know, the straight story, but his like, his... His IP stuff that he does. Oh, Eraserhead is full on sci-fi. And then I think if he had gotten to make it, Ronnie Rocket would have been like even more. And I think I think his stuff kind of all exists within the same universe and where Mm -hmm. where where time travel is possible and alternate worlds exist. I mean, he gave an interview or Mark Frost gave an interview at one point where he said if they'd gotten to do a third season of Twin Peaks, Harry would have figured out that he can go back in time by driving backwards through a cornfield. <laughs> like they would have like full on made a time travel storyline in season three. Yeah. There's a um, lot they left in that, that I was just like, man, and I, I kind of want a third season, but I don't at the same mm-hmm. time. Uh, Bobby, while I was not too keen on Bobby in the original series, so great I, in the revival, right? I think he's great in it. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he does some great acting in that, in it. And, just like all that shit with him finding the girl in the car. 
uh, right outside still the diner and all that still stuff. Still don't know what that's about. Yeah, like they leave but all it's, that it's stuff good. so open and it's like... Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm... I, I love Twin Peaks and I would love to see more of it, but I know David Lynch hates the constraints that it, that he has to have yeah. with a TV show. He just signed. He's doing. Uh, he's gonna be in in a in a movie. He's gonna by be in a else. Spielberg movie. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't. I just watched the Art Life for the first time. Oh, I watched that. Uh, I watched that after great. the hurricane hit when I was living at my mother in law's house. Mm. And uh, it was different than what I was expecting, but it's all yeah. about his art, yeah, and and his life and all that stuff, and it was very interesting. Well, there's like, there's this story that he tells at one point where he's like, he stops halfway through as he's talking about this old man, this neighbor walking up to him, and he's like, I can't tell the story. Yeah, and apparently somewhere else he ended up finishing the story, and it was just that the guy was saying goodbye to him, and it made him too sad to finish talking about the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, his family was moving, and I'm just like, what a great guy. <laughs> like, I I had saw know. something about like something that went down in his neighborhood about someone walking around his neighborhood like fully nude. And oh, it was like, an, ex- yeah, this naked lady bleeding from her face, yeah. and like people think that that thing happened that. In, like um inspired blue velvet later i could see that i could um, really see that which oh, man record store day is reissuing the blue velvet soundtrack on vinyl but it's a expanded edition it has all of angelo battlementi's cues for the movie and i'm gonna i think i'm gonna drop some change on that like it looks it's i'm so excited i find myself putting the twin peaks soundtrack on all the time Oh yeah. I just love like, you know, that the jazzy stuff when they're in the hotel and, uh, and even just the, I could listen to the opening score for Mm -hmm. hours, man. Like it's just, I I still need to pick up. I still need to pick up the soundtrack for fire walk with me. I I have seasons one and two on vinyl and I have the, the roadhouse soundtrack of like the bands that played Mm -hmm. in season three. I don't really feel like I need the score for right. the return because it, there's just not much there. Yeah. A, uh, a lot of it is just that droning sort of, I know, which I, I can't really, yeah, I like, don't really vibe to, but I like all the, I love all the jazzy stuff. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, I like when he does bring in the score from the original when yeah. he does. But um, yeah. I mean, the, I, the fire walk with me soundtrack has the score plus that mango tree song from mm-hmm. the finale from the season two finale. Yeah which is just so cool. But yeah, I, I, I love all the band stuff they did in the third one. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I heard about, I found out about chromatics from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I listen to them all the time. Uh, that, that song, Eddie Vedder song is great too. And I mean, the nine inch nails performance that's in there. And, yeah. uh, there's another band or that's or, episode seven, right? That's the, it's eight. Like, it's, that's it, it eight. happens that's right before all the neutron that's, bomb stuff. That's right. That's what leads into the bomb. Okay. The best. But there's another band on there, Or Ar- Rivar Simone or something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the song that they do on there, I really like mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I feel I like wish there was that, another band I know that, that did a performance on there, but I can't think of them. I was pretty pissed off because there was no... Um, like it had all the songs except for James's uh, "Just You and I" that mm. that bit, which I was just like, I want that recording. Like I <laughs> I I like that scene in the original show. I know people clown on it, but it's yeah. like 
I think it's such a sweet moment it's between a, him and Maddie. A, yeah, it's a genuine moment between him and, and her. Like, yeah, you know, I. <laughs> it's funny, man. The older I get, the more I start picking up on like little things that I liked when I was younger and how the new generation of people are going to either like or dislike that stuff. Right. Sure. And uh, like I was just talking about Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in uh, Tropic Thunder. And oh, sure. Yeah. I, I, oh, think, the, I think it's genius, man. And yeah. the, and I, I wonder, like, because I remember Jenny and I sat down to watch Blazing Saddles, which is a very <laughs> highly regarded comedy. Sure. And I love Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. But when we started watching it, I turned it off. I was like, I, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable watching this. Like yeah. it, it wasn't making me laugh. I, I wasn't enjoying it. I, I, I feel the same way, but it, you know, what's so funny about Tropic Thunder is I feel like Twitter discovers Tropic Thunder every six months. Yeah. Like I swear it's the funniest thing. Like it's cyclical, like film Twitter all of a sudden is full of kids, like really upset about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, what's genius about that performance is, 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 is like he and Ben Stiller, like they know what they're doing. They know who they're making fun of too. Like that's like it's meant to be a a critique on shitty actors like that, right? Um, and uh, but I mean, on face value and the yes. younger generation, oh, yeah, that are no, growing it totally up makes sense with yeah. with all of this shit we've dealt with the past few years. They're gonna watch that and go back and be like, "Oh, that's fucked up." And it and is it, wild that Downey got a Oscar nomination for that role, though, right? Like, yeah. it's it's kind of insane. And honestly, like, I think it was deserved. I think he kills it. He's really good. In the role. Yeah. And um, and, and I, I saw an interview with him on Joe Rogan. And I know Joe mm-hmm. Rogan's a touchy subject right now, too. But um, he, he explained it to him. He was like, I, I was very hesitant about it. Mm. And he's like, I went to people I know. I went to Jamie Foxx. I went to this person. I went to that person. And they were like, yeah. dude, you got to do this. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, you know... Uh, the, the the respect the black community has for a rapper like Eminem. It's like yeah. they, they understand oh, the craft man. and what they're doing. You know, was like it, was it Fitty or was it Jay-Z? There was there was an interview with someone saying like Eminem is the best rapper in the game. Like it was it was a while back, but there was it was some like it was literally someone who knows what the fuck they're talking about saying like I, like it or not, he has he spits the best bars in the game. Like I, and, I and saw it, something recently of somebody yeah. talking about that. I want to say it was the weekend. Oh, that makes sense. Well, it's just it. I mean, and, and watching the uh, watching the Super Bowl halftime show, I was like, they're fucking right. Like he's he's I, I, as much as I don't dig him as a person, yeah. <laughs> like the dude is undeniable. I mean, he he came around and he he broke onto the scene completely different than anything else with anybody had seen he was yeah he was i mean fun- he was he was coming up when like Nas and the other guys were coming up and he was doing i don't know he was trying to elevate everything like he was trying to take it yeah. to the next level and that was and like- he didn't have well back then he didn't have i think eminem's fine with people poking or with with fun being poked at him as long as he he's did doing not it to have himself. a sense of humor about himself back then though he, he did like he had a sense of humor about himself you think so? But he did not like when other people like clowned on him or like, like he doesn't like to be made fun of unless he's doing sense. it to him, doing it to himself, you know? Yeah. Like, 
Because that's what that whole first Slim Shady record is about, is, is yeah. him being a fucking white trash white guy growing up in Detroit <laughs> yeah. and growing up in the rap scene and all that. And um, and you could you could laugh at it, but you yeah. could also see the seriousness in it. Well, that's why it's it's kind of a... I was talking about this recently. I think it's a shame that 8 Mile was as far as he got in his acting career. I mean, like, the interview doesn't count. That That's a cameo. You know, like, he... Yeah. Eight Mile Rules. I rewatched it recently and forgot how good it is. And that, much like a movie like Purple Rain, is really, yeah. I mean, he lived that shit. He it's knows, his movie. He, he yeah. knew what he was doing, you know? Oh, by the way, whenever you guys want to do Purple Rain, I'm in. Like, I am, I've been, I've been wanting to rewatch it and I'm like edging myself. Like, I'm literally <laughs> like, I can't fucking do it till, till it's time. I, uh, I'm making the schedule right now mm-hmm. and I know March and May or March and April were pretty, we, we know what we're doing. Cool. But after that, it's still a little up in the air. So I've told everybody, I was like, be prepared because purple rain is coming and Nathan's coming as well. And Nathan's Nathan's going to, yeah, Nathan's going to be and you like it. I will try to be on my best behavior because like <laughs> I, it, it's a, I mean, it's a raunchy movie, dude. Like I talked about this on Silver Linings, where I was just like, "The that movie's like borderline Skinamax level in some parts. Like it's insane." That scene um, where he and Apollonia are in the bedroom—it's—I've never seen anything like that in a movie, like in a mainstream movie. Insane. Yeah, like he's got his hand down her pants. He does. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> movie's you know, wild. I saw something recently, yeah. and. Uh, the girl and what I, whatever I was watching, I was like, she reminds me of Apollonia. I can't remember what mm. the hell it was I was watching now. Have you been watching Peacemaker? Yeah, I love it. It's so good. I. You're not crazy about it? We're, no, no, no. I love it. Oh, okay. I think it's the best thing coming out of the DC universe. I agree. Like, I also thought the Suicide Squad was the best DC movie since The Dark Knight. Like, yeah. <laughs> genuinely, like um really excited they're doing a second season and they're gonna do they're doing another suicide squad spinoff but they haven't revealed who the character is i'm hoping it's Ratcatcher or <laughs> uh or blood sport i think yeah. that would be fun i i, I you know I, I have to attribute it to james gunn though because like mm-hmm. he that man knows how to balance the absurd with pathos with, with drama yeah so well dude well, like, I remember when the show was announced before the movie came out, and I was just like, wow, they're really going all in on John Cena, you know? And I, but it, he proved me wrong. Like, the dude he is solid. Goes he's goes for it, dude. He he's like, that's one of the things about it that, that has impressed me so much. He's is really how good much, with riffing, too. Yeah. How much he has just dove into this character. Yeah. And he really seems like he's having a good time doing it. Robert Patrick is great. Like, the whole cast is so good. And I haven't watched um, the finale yet. I, I, I'm going I'm to watch that tonight when Jenny gets home from school. And I think we're going to talk about it after Alien tomorrow. It's got, um, a, it's got a great action sequence. Like, but, it's and the, awesome. The seventh episode where he kills his dad. Yeah. Um, like, I've, you know, this show, number one, has proven that I have a very fucked up sense of humor. Because... I think all the shit they're going for, for, for comedy in this is hilarious. Yeah, I agree. And the more fucked up it is, the better. Like when, when, when vigilante's talking to the guy out by the dumpster and he's talking about the abortion. Yeah. 
and the guy's you're like, ha- you're happy about this? Yeah. He's like, I'm not, I don't want to go to your abortion party, man. Like I was rolling on the Me fucking too. floor laughing, dude. Well, it also, it also proves that James Gunn for sure has daddy issues. Yeah. Like between this and guardians of all oh, two. for sure. And, and, um, and, and that's, that's the only thing I will say is a kind of a strike for me is it feels like I'm watching guardians. With some of it feels familiar. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, my, he... my biggest issue is he does this thing and it was something that drove me crazy in Guardians 2 where there's so many scenes of people just walking in slow motion while a song plays. Like there's there's like three separate scenes in the finale where I'm just like, OK, we'll put the chain over this. It's that same scene from Guardians 2. Yeah. I love the scene with Yondu and Rocket in guardians two with the arrow going too. through that one's great the the song that's playing and with them yeah. with all the action I'm a that's little going bit on. closer <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, when he does some of that stuff i i like it a lot but i can see where it can get grading yeah um, for sure but i i just love that he knows how to balance the absolute absurdist comedy with really <clears throat> heartfelt drama yeah because even though even though i really hated his dad when he yeah. kills him i felt so bad Oof, for peacemaker yeah. absolutely and, and it's you know and everybody's telling him the whole the whole show is like this guy's a bad guy he's a bad guy you, you gotta kill him he's my fucking dad like yeah you know like i can see where that's coming yeah. from and and that's the difference between uh christopher smith and peter quill because my favorite moment in either guardians movie is when kurt russell says it, it killed me to have to put that tumor in your mom's head Mm-hmm. And Peter just shoots him full of holes, <laughs> like it's without even like saying anything else to him. It's my it's my favorite Star Lord moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like there's a there's a real sadness in that show, and it's uh, it's really surprising to me. And even um, like um, like that's kind of what hooked me on it. Like I thought the first episode was funny, and then you get yeah. to the second one after all the shit's gone down, and it's it's got Chris at home. He's laying in bed. He's crying. Everybody fucking oh, hates you. Everybody hates you. You you kill you killed Rick Flag. You asshole. Yeah. yeah. And that's Good. the other thing. That's the other thing about the Suicide Squad movie was like the the, the first one. What the fuck ever. Mm-hmm. You know. Not really made me care about Rick Flag without recasting him. That's exactly the point I was about to make. And, and Joel Kinnaman is a guy that I'm like, is fine with the right material, but he's great in that second Suicide Squad. Uh-huh. And I was genuinely upset when he died. Me too. And, yeah. And they keep replaying that moment in Peacemaker. And it's And upsetting. it's just fully solidifying the fact that I'm like, God damn, this movie was fucking good. <laughs> it's really good. I keep wanting to, so, oh, we're trying, speaking of Suicide Squad, AIPT is trying to get David Dasmalkian on an episode uh, uh, because he's got a graphic novel coming out. And I'm I'm just like, look, at this point, let's shoot for the fucking moon. Let's try yeah. to get whoever we want on the show. That dude is like definition of almost famous. Like that guy. I love him. Yeah, no kidding. Man. Like, I we remember were, you brought him up about the uh, when you guys were talking about prisoners. Yeah. And I was just like, this dude's running the game on DC right now. Like, yeah. he's not, he doesn't stop. He's, uh, he's great. But he, he kind of is the same character a lot. Like, yes. <laughs> but yeah. still, I, uh, yeah. I love him. Like, I love when he's in movies. His performance in prisoners is like, what if I had more time to play that guy from The Dark Knight? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine, like, that movie has a lot of DC people in it, I just realized. But, 
you know, yeah. like you got Paul Dano now as the Riddler. You got this guy as, as oh, Polka yeah. Dot Man. Like, could you imagine those two like as a as like a I could see Paul Dano and him as like a serial killer team in a movie sure. or something. Did I did you hear me talk about that in the in, you remember I talked about that in the prisoners episode where I was just like, there's a there's a scene in that movie <laughs> where Hugh Jackman literally says to Paul Dano no more fucking riddles <laughs> yes i remember that <laughs> it's, i was just like he's gonna do it he loves riddles yeah I'm, guys I'm, a really, scamp. I'm really interested in, in in what they're doing with this batman movie me I, too i hope it's good i feel like it is going to be but like i get so exhausted by the kind of like grim dark kind of thing where it like like there's all those interviews coming out right now where it's you know Paul Dano couldn't sleep because he was so scared of playing the Riddler and I'm just like I'm a and I'm a Riddler guy the yeah. Riddler's not scary <laughs> like I I I you know I it's just frustrating I saw this thing where someone tweeted that article and they're like you know uh, Jack Nicholson made sure he had weekends off so he could go golfing during the shooting of Batman '89. <laughs> like, I think that's the curse Batman has now though is. Batman has yes. become such a pop culture icon. Yeah. Everyone's that, looking at this like it's Hamlet. Yeah. And it's, you know, you had you had the the fiasco about Jack Nicholson being cast as the Joker and he was great. Then you right. got then you got Heath Ledger. You've got two fantastic performances as that character. So now it seems like every time you've got a Batman movie, it's like, ooh, who are they gonna cast? And Who's is he gonna be good? Yeah. And yeah. I I kinda I kinda wish we could make a Batman movie and not talk about it. Well, that's why all of my like the interviews with Robert Pattinson are great because so much of it is him saying, like, I'm playing a character like I'm not going to fucking ruin my life for this. I'm not doing a ton of working out like I, you know, he's like, I'm staying in shape. But but then at the same time, he does care about this character. I mean, the dude's talking about how Mask of the Phantasm is his favorite Batman movie. Yeah. And and he he's I don't know I, I I'm really interested in it I hate that it's three hours long um that's my biggest drawback at this point is like but I, the, I hope they can fill this three hours and keep me interested so here's my theory I was telling Mally about this I think the trailers have only shown us a third of the movie yeah I think there is a whole like final act I I think this is a zero year movie and they are not showing us that like I, I fully believe that it, because there's that shot of the levees exploding in the trailer, yeah. in the last trailer, and I'm like, I, I fully believe that the third act of this movie is Eddie breaking out of prison and isolating Gotham. My only fear is that it's going to be too much like Dark Knight Rises, but like it, it's the it's my favorite Batman origin story. So like if they yeah. if they pull off a zero year movie, I'm going <laughs> to lose my mind. <laughs> And, and, you know, the fact that they've got all these characters that are in there, I mean, it, it, Falcone, the penguin, I, I'm uh, wondering where, where the penguins going to play into all of this. Right. I'm interested to see Colin Farrell's portrayal of him. Me too. Uh, Cause I've only seen those short little clips of, you know, just his face. And uh -huh. the only thing we've really seen him like seen of him playing the character is that shot in the car where he's like i beat you I saw, I saw one little clip from like dc fandom where he says something like but get your hands off the suit like it's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's, it's very much doing like like i'm really hoping we Brooklyn i'm really gangster. hoping we see him in a top hat at least like right yeah 
or with an umbrella at some point. Uh, that, that's one of the things I love the most about the Marvel shows is when they mm-hmm. give you those episodes or those little shots of them, those little glimpses of them in the original costumes or like hints yes. at the original costumes and stuff. Like when Jessica Jones tries on a superhero outfit for like three seconds. <laughs> or that episode of Luke Cage where he's trying to find clothes and he and he like <laughs> sure. he looks just like the old school Luke Cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. And Honestly, it's just, that's what I, I loved in Hawkeye. They brought back Wilson Fisk and they were like, put him in a fucking Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole, like through that whole series, you've got her trying to talk him into having an outfit and the purple having outfit. some branding. And, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that shit. A lot of people find it kind of grating and cheesy, but I think it's hilarious. You know, I love I the fact like that I love the fact that Daredevil, <laughs> most of the first season of Daredevil was him in the in the the devil of uh, Hell's Kitchen outfit. Oh, like, yeah, sure. You know, um, surprisingly, we will be talking about Batman at some point in this episode. I have a note. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, uh, actually, I have a note that references Batman as well. I bet we have the same note. Is it at the end of the movie? It is at the end of it the movie. <laughs> You didn't like Scream 5, right? The new Scream? Have you seen it? I was very underwhelmed by it. I J- Jason and I just got off of a phone call a little while ago, and he's in the middle of it. I want to watch it again, but my, my, my knee-jerk reaction is the opening sequence is incredible. The middle of the movie is very good. And then I think it falls apart. I think the lead actress is terrible. Yes. I think Jenna Ortega, who plays the younger sister, should have been the lead character. Mm-hmm. And I think that Sydney is not a character in this movie. Like she has. She's bad. She like she comes in and saves the day and that's that. But like, she doesn't do like all of her dialogue just feels like placeholder stuff. Like none of it. none of it works for me. She doesn't feel like a full character. The only stuff in the movie that really worked for me was Dewey. Dewey and Gail, their scene, their reunion scene is incredible. Mm -hmm. Dewey's death is great. Um, I really like Dewey and where I, you know, I've, I've had a fondness for Dewey before, but I never thought he was the strongest character in the movie. See, he, yeah, I love, I, he, I'm a Dewey but, and Gale guy. I mean, that's, that's like something that annoys the shit out of my co-host on, oh, that's a scary movie where uh-huh. like Gale Weathers is my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have a lot of problems with it. I, I, I'm yeah. sure I'll rewatch it and I'll probably I, find things that I like and dislike about it, but. I love um, all the meta jokes about like toxic fandom and all the, the shit about. The toxic fandom stuff is good, but however, as All I the stuff about, about Ryan Johnson, I think is really clever. I was laughing so hard. I was like, <laughs> like, I, I, like that's one of those things where only film nerds are going to really pick mm-hmm. up on. And right. I, I, I like poked at Jenny. There's also a scene in there because on, on our on when we were talked about Scream on the podcast, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't think uh, Kirby is dead, and yeah, she's not dead. She's not. I saw that. I also loved the dead meat cameo. That yeah. made me really happy. But yeah, I, I just, yeah. Uh. And dead meat are really, dead meat are really behind the new Scream movie. And I think it's yeah. because they're in it and they know the film. They that know probably the has a bit of to do with it. I, I've seen people who love it. I just, I, to me, I mean, granted, it's still 
probably the best fifth entry in a slasher franchise. But like, <laughs> you know, like I, when I think about the Scream movies, the only one that I think is actually bad is three. And there's still a lot to like there. Um, well, I don't know if you listened to our, our show on that one, but I, found, I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, I found part two, like complete, like lack of joy in any of it. Really, because we we just so the reason I haven't finished listening to it is because we want to cover all the screen movies and I don't want to just like copy you guys. I have a bad I, habit of doing that with movie podcasts. Yeah, um, well, like if you guys are talking about a movie on Silver Linings or something, yes. and I know where that's coming up for us, I don't listen to the episode because I don't want to sure. bring in anything you got. Like sometimes I will. Sometimes well, I'll be like, you know, Nathan, so, Nathan talked yeah. about this on his show and this is I what he had to too. say about this and blah, blah, blah. But what's really fun is when you find out you've like synced up with other people like the We Hate Movies did an episode on Spider-Man like a month after our episode. <laughs> and when I listened to it, I was like, thank God they noticed the same weird shit that we did. Yeah. But um, with that one, I we, we rewatch. You might be surprised. We rewatched Scream 2 for Oh, That's a Scary Movie. And I loved it i i don't know if it was just the mood i was in mm -hmm. because like we were both like having a really bad week and we were gonna cover something really heavy mm -hmm. and then she just texted me out of nowhere like do you want to just do scream too because that screams like our happy place yeah and and i think it really is the mood i was in but i man i had so much fun with it i i think my ranking would be one two four five three I, Jenny and I really enjoyed part three this time around. Interesting. Okay. And I need to rewatch it. Cause I, it like, didn't, didn't really work for me back in the day. I'll tell you the main reason I enjoyed it the most. And that's Parker Posey. Oh, she's a genius. She's yeah. the best fucking part of that movie, dude. Yeah. She's the best part of every movie she's in. Airway <laughs> <Right. laughs> <Hey>, bitches. <laughs> don't, what's the line? She has a line in Days of Confused where she's like, don't you fucking look at me with that head on your face, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, I, yeah, it's something like that. But yeah, it's I, so good. I, lo I love her so much. Like her, her delivery of her lines in, in she, any movie she's in is yes. golden. We were just talking about her because we did our Queen of the Damned episode and I'm obsessed with her performance in Josie and the Pussycats. Mm -hmm. I think I she's just so good at that movie. I haven't seen Josie and the Pussycats. I also have never ah. seen Queen of the Damned. Wow. Uh, I've, it's bad, but it's yeah. very fun. It's, I mean, the whole, the soundtrack is written by Jonathan Davis from Korn. I knew that. And uh, I know there's a lot of like new metal-esque stuff on the soundtrack. It's the whole movie is new metal. Yeah. It's literally Lestat rises from the grave. And I think you will enjoy some of the jokes that I make in this episode because I'm just like, he slept for <laughs> 200 years in New Orleans. He slept through the birthplace of jazz and he wakes up because he hears a taproot B-side. Like <laughs> that's what that's what we're going with. But yeah, Scream Five. I mean, I I, I I walked out of it disappointed. And the Dewey kill scene is is good. Yeah, but until you realize that it's a little girl, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that that girl did that to Dewey. I agree. Yeah. Also, she she dies the same way she died in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like Dustin texted me after the movie and was like, are you fucking kidding me with her death scene? Yep. <laughs> um, I can't wait. We're recording our episode on Malignant on Friday. 
and I am just so fucking hype, man. My my first watch of that movie, I was like, what? Yeah, me too, but in a good way. Like I was legit like it's the it's the weirdest thing. I mean, it's it's literally like he just did whatever he wanted (laughs) for two hours. I don't know what I was expecting. I'm not I'm not that big on Giallo movies. So when everybody was had this buzz around, oh, he made a Giallo film. I don't think he did. I, I I really don't buy that. I Putting pink in your movie doesn't make it a giallo, but like, <laughs> but the, I don't know. Like, there was a lot of buzz surrounding it when they released it. Yeah, and I I, I watched it probably the weekend it came out, maybe even the day or two it, it, it they released it. And that opening scene was fucking bonkers, and I was like, this feels yeah. like an old horror movie that I would love. But as the story progressed, I kind of figured yeah. out, you know. I figured out what was going on. Me too. So, so the reveal wasn't really anything that impressed me. Yes. And I really did not like the police station scene. Oh, I, I th- did. I thought it looked too fake. I did. Yeah, I agree. But it's, I, man, I don't know. There's something about that movie where like, <sighs> I agree with you. That first scene felt like David Cronenberg doing an X-Men movie. Like, it was, yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. where they're just like, oh, his, his electricity powers are too strong. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was, I was cracking up and every wrong choice just hit for me in a weird way, man. I don't, I don't know how to describe how I felt about that movie, but I loved it. Well, I went into it the first time expecting one thing and getting something else. And I think that's why when I walked away from it, I was like, this was fucking garbage. And then Maybe it has something to do with the people buzzing around it or whatnot, but I've said this on our show. I've said this to you and like, I think we as a society, we are a society, um, <laughs> like we're quick to judge things. And I think that's terrible. Yeah, for because, sure. Because like the reason people love things that they love, like sometimes there is the love at first sight. I get that. But yeah. Like the reason I love some things as much as I do is because I've had time to let them stew in my brain and like accept them for what they are. Definitely. So whereas like I've kind of like sort of reshaped the way I look at watching movies and stuff now is like if I didn't enjoy it, I'm like, okay, I didn't enjoy that. Let me find out why I didn't. Yeah, I try to do that as well. And um, sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised when I go back and watch stuff. And like hmm. I said, when I'm, when I'm like editing these episodes and like, like I did with the Dr. No, like I wasn't find super, new stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like I wasn't super into Dr. No at first, but as we talked about it and I did the editing for it, I was like, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting to try and be less judgy at the first watch or first go around of yeah. things. I think so, that's fair. I'm really hoping I get to a Bond movie where I feel completely different about it than you do. <laughs> Cause oh, I, I think it'll happen. I, <laughs> I, I almost, I don't know. I almost feel like some of the ones I'm really looking forward to might be that, uh, but we'll see. Like, I know you're excited to get to on her majesty's secret service. Yeah. I can't wait. So, so am I. Yeah. But you know, there's, you know, that's the one that is the one bond. And that's the one I'm, I'm probably the most nervous about talking about, honestly. Like I I hear great stuff about that one, but how am I going to react to it? You know what I mean? Which is going to be fun to see. uh, Cause I just, man, that, 
The movie gets me, man. I mean, I already know who the girl, the main girl is in it, and I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah. But other than, I mean, again, like I, I've done no research. I have no idea what the plot is. Ah, so so excited. I got to run in just a minute, but I was going to ask you, uh, have you watched No Time to Die yet? I haven't. <sighs> it's long, and that's the biggest reason I keep putting yeah. it off. That's the, I, I, I've rewatched it once, but it's, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard. It's a hard ask for sure. I mean, I, I bought the 4k the day it came out because I, yeah. I really wanted to watch it, but I just haven't had the time. No problem. No worries. So, I hope you like, and, and I hope plus, you like it. Now that we're on this train, I almost am like, well, I'm not going to watch any of the Daniel Craig stuff till we get to it, but I, I probably will watch it eventually. Yeah, I think but, it'll, t- it'll give you, you'll have enough time to come back to it fresh. Yeah. But I'm excited to, to see what they do with, it. I mean, I, yeah, I've already had it spoiled for me. Like what happens at the end? So, oh, really? I mean, I don't know details, but uh-huh. I know I know Bond dies at the end. So, mm. which, I mean, you probably could have put that together from the way they've been talking about how Craig's leaving the series and everything. Like, sure, they got to get they got to dispatch him somehow. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it's I'm curious to see what they're gonna do next because, uh, you know, outside of a full reboot, I'm not really sure what the what the plan is. Do you think? You know? This may be something I can interject into the episode somewhere. Maybe not. I, and tell me if you don't want to go on this tangent, we can do it mm. on another episode. But do you think any of the older Bond movies could or should be remade? Oh. Like I got to thinking about that with Thunderball. Tough question. I, and, you know, I, I do actually. I think, I think some of them could benefit from, yeah, like another take or a fresh, fresh perspective. Um, you know, we've already talked about some of the ways in which these haven't aged super gracefully. I mean, essentially, um, we've gotten like the the reboot sort of style with the Daniel Craig stuff because mm-hmm. they brought in Blumfe- uh, Blofeld and other characters. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and in some ways, you know, Spectre is kind of a remix of a couple of earlier Bond movies. Like they they yeah. throw in aspects of these older ones in these newer ones. Uh, so it would be kind of hard to make just a clean reboot of anything. But yeah, I mean, I think if someone wanted to take another pass at uh, Thunderball or or uh, next month's movie, I think could probably benefit from a, a reboot that irons out some of the uh, more upsetting bits. Uh, okay. But yeah, I don't know. I it's a it's a hard question because it's you know it always comes down to the the thing of like every couple of years someone threatens to remake Casablanca, you know, right. and you're just like, well, what the fuck? You know, yeah, there, there's, there's some movies that just need to be left alone. are untouchable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a good question. I, and I don't necessarily know the answer. I, I'd be curious to see it. I mean, and, I'm, I'm going to see any bond movie that comes out. So sure. And I guess the biggest question there would be like, not necessarily like remade, but like, just like, okay, we're going to take the plot from Goldfinger and update it. Yeah. You know, like, cause essentially like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the fucking Gus Van Sant version of Goldfinger, you know, where you just remake. Are you every- sure? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, well, like I'm saying with the that's kind of what Quantum of Solace is, where (laughs) he gets dropped into the desert and wanders around for a while. (laughs) I fell asleep during Quantum of Solace. I uh, I still don't know what happened. Ian Fleming's Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like I'm starting to think about that with these movies. I'm like, could could these plots work updated? Like, and you know. I mean, I guess they, I guess they kind of already did a a form of this with Die Hard with a Vengeance with the whole Fort Knox thing, like we talked about. Sure. 
I guess that's it is like movies are just borrowing plot points from these older movies yeah. and making them into something completely different. You know, Boy, wait till we get to on her majesties. You're going to be shocked by a certain set piece. I think. Oh, God. See, like that's the only problem with doing this podcast is like, I, I really want to go watch the next two movies now, like mm-hmm. back to back <laughs> just so I can see what happens, but I'm saving yeah. it. I'm saving it for the show. Mm-hmm. Saving it for the show. Yeah, I think I'm I, I yeah, I'm I'm chomping at the bit to 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 get to the next couple for sure. Yeah. And I'm I'm anxious to see the Roger Moore era. Like I can't wait. Because I've seen the wait. I've seen the last Roger Moore movie. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Right. So. That's right. I always forget that. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, that's but, gonna be a fun time. 